Our reading this evening is from John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. Some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. 
Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness, to a town called Ephraim, and stayed there with his disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think, that he will not come to the feast at all? And the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders, that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know, so that they might arrest him. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, was on the run because he had cheated his brother Esau out of a blessing. And his brother Esau wanted to murder him, and everyone knew it, and so his mother, Rebekah, sent him away. Jacob was on the run. He was heading to his uncle Laban's house. And on the way there, he stopped one night, and he laid his head on a stone, and in the middle of the night, he dreamed a dream, or he saw a vision. And the vision he saw was of a great ladder extending between earth And heaven and angels were going up and down on that ladder, and the Lord was sitting at the top on his throne. And the Lord spoke to Jacob in that vision and said to him, all of the promises that he had given to his father Isaac, the ones that he had given to his father Abraham, that this land on which he was now sleeping, even though now he was a fugitive and an outlaw, this land would belong to his family, that God would keep the promises he had given to his people. When Jacob woke from his dream, he marveled. And he said, this place is something special. This is the very house of God. This is the gate of heaven. 
That's why that spot was called Bethel, the house of God, from that day forward. Jacob marveled because he found himself suddenly in the nearer presence of God. He marveled that he had looked up and seen into heaven. That he had seen the Lord God who had promised him great things and who had taken care of him. And yet, you notice in this vision, in this dream, there's still some distance between Jacob and God. There's a ladder that reaches between the two of them, but yet God is far off. He's distant. He's somewhere out there. He's speaking to Jacob, yes, but as far as the vision goes, he is not near. He's far. It just so happens to be that Jacob is in the right spot at the right time, that this place, this ground is holy ground. And so he has come near to the presence of God. That's how it is often for God's people throughout the Bible. They just happen to be in the right place at the right time. Or God designates a place and a time where he comes to them. That's the whole reason for the tabernacle in the Old Testament. That they could know in this spot, at this time, God would be there on his mercy seat, delivering forgiveness and blessings to his people. But there was distance between the people and God. A distance that many people in our world and we ourselves often feel. After all, we don't have the privilege, the great privilege of walking next to Jesus, of calling him when we are in great need and knowing that he will come in the flesh to be near us. We don't have the great privilege of Mary and Martha knowing that their Lord, who loves them, was their friend and that they could see him with their very own eyes. We don't have the privilege of seeing Jesus weep because he has lost a friend. We don't have that privilege. It feels like there is distance between us and God. So often, especially, most of all, when we are in trouble. When we suffer, when we struggle, when we grieve, when we lament our sins, we feel that there is a distance between us and God. If only we could be in the right place at the right time. If only, if only we could have some experience of the nearer presence of God. Earlier in the Gospel of John, there's a moment that's described. There's a pool, the pool of Bethesda. And there's a man who's sitting by that pool. He's lame. He cannot walk. There's something special about this pool. Evidently, every once in a while, an angel would come down and with its wings or somehow disturb that pool. And when you sat by that pool, if you watched the water and you were the one who saw the water being disturbed and you got into the water, first of all, you would be healed of whatever sickness you were suffering from, if you were in the right place at the right time. But this poor fellow who was lame, he could sit there all day long and he could see the pool being disturbed. He could see the promise of healing and yet he could not get himself into that pool. He could not draw near to the blessings of God. He felt distant. He felt so far. Hearing God's promises, knowing that there was healing and yet not being able to receive it was terrible. It was dreadful until one day... Jesus comes along and simply says, take up your bed and go. The man takes up his bed and goes. It did not take him drawing near to God. It did not take him being in the right place at the right time. It took God himself coming closer and closer to him. That's what healed the man. Jesus said, you've been healed. What a wonderful thing. Now go and sin no more, lest something worse befall you. He said, I've given you new life. Receive it gratefully. And that's just what the man did. 
Last week we talked about how God hides himself from the wise and the understanding. And he does it. Jesus thanks God that he does it because he puts them to shame. He confounds them. People who think that they're going to make it in this life, people who think that they can draw near to God on their own terms, God puts them to shame. He spoils their plans. He makes them confounded. He hides himself from them. He hides himself from them, but he reveals himself to the lowly and the poor, to the little children, and to those who expect nothing. It is to them that he reveals himself. And it is they who really can understand what God is doing. The Gospel of John is full of people who do not understand. Jesus says one thing, and the people think that he's talking about something else. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus thinks that Jesus means he must go back into his mother's womb. Jesus says today, Lazarus will rise again. And Martha thinks he's talking simply about the resurrection on the last day. Jesus is not. He's talking about something better. He's talking about something closer, something nearer. He's talking about God's presence, which is not distant or far off in the future, but his presence, which is here right now. I am the resurrection and the life. To the wise and understanding, that makes no sense. Jesus is talking nonsense. Yeah, we want to have him rise on the last day. That was what would be good for Lazarus. That was what can comfort those who are grieving, that Lazarus would rise on the last day. And Jesus says, no, you've missed the point. I'm not talking about the last day. I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about a resurrection right now. That even though your brother Lazarus is dead, yet he lives right now. They couldn't understand it. You heard it in our lesson three times. The people expected too little of Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, if you had been closer to us, my brother would not have died. Certainly this man who can heal the blind, if only he had been here, then this terrible thing would not have happened. Of course, they didn't know, didn't realize that Jesus stayed away on purpose. Because of course, if he had drawn near and they thought that all he was giving to them, all he was giving to Lazarus was this life over again, it would not have been enough. It would have been too little. It would not have been all of Jesus, the resurrection and the life. It would have been hope maybe for the future, maybe hope for something distant, maybe a relationship with God which feels very sparse and empty. But Jesus is here to give something better. I am the resurrection and the life. He says to Martha, I, who am with you right now, Now, it may seem easy for Mary and Martha and Lazarus, who had Jesus with them in the flesh, standing beside them. You must know this, that Jesus is no further from you than he was from them. In fact, he is perhaps closer. Jesus has left you with promises, with his words, that actually raise the dead, that raise you from the dead, Right now, after all, what are we in our sins but dead? Dead in our trespasses and sins, unable to live even the remotest of lives now, just walking around as zombies. That's what we are apart from Christ. But he has called you by his word, with his promises. I love you, and I lay down my life for you, and I am your shepherd. And I will lead you beside still waters and green pastures right now, he says to you. 
and it has raised you from the dead. It has saved you from hopelessness, from futility, from living an empty life. It has saved you from death right now. So that Jesus can say in all certainty and with complete sensibility, even though you die, yet you live. Even though you will breathe your last to be laid into a grave, yet you live because even now you live in Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. Why is that? Well, it's because Jesus is not far off. As it seemed to Jacob, God was far off from him in his throne. But Jesus is here, and notice what he does. Jesus prays, and he thanks God that his Father hears him. Jesus is with the Father, and the Father hears his voice. But also see this. Jesus speaks into the tomb, and the dead man hears his voice. Jesus is the one who, in his very flesh and blood, brings heaven and earth together. He is the one who bridges the gap between us and God. He is the ladder upon which the angels ascend and descend. He is the one who removes the separation between us and our Creator, who takes away the sin that keeps us distant, who draws close to us so that He can draw us close to God. He is the one who has done all of it, and He is here even now, even this evening, even in this place, even in this world, the midst of this valley of the shadow of death, He is here now giving you life. Not a hope for a future life, but a life right now. He says to Mary, didn't I tell you that if you believed in me, you would see the glory of God? That is all that he asks of us. Not that we work or strive or try to draw near to him or climb that ladder on our own, but simply, simply that we hear and believe. Do you believe? Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, the one who has come into the world to save me. If you believe this, you have already everything you need right now. You are not waiting for a future life. You are not waiting for a future resurrection right now. Right now, you walk in the light of Christ. Since Christ has done all of this for you, do not look for him any other place. Do not ask, how can I get to heaven to be near Christ? Or, when will he come down to be near me? Instead, rejoice. You have him here with you now in his word, which is in your hearts and in your ears and on your lips. You give his presence to one another as you speak the promises of God to each other. You receive his presence every time you pray. Here he is with you. Rejoice, for he is the resurrection and the life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.